is the Successful Farming Weeds Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Today's program is sponsored by Anthem and Authority Brand Herbicides from FMC. Visit ag.fmc.com. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Dr. Christy Sprague is joining me today. She is a weed extension specialist at Michigan State University. Dr. Sprague, can you share some of your career journey on how you got to where you are now? Sure. So I'm a Michigan native and did my undergraduate at Michigan State, went down to the University of Illinois, got a master's degree, came back up to Michigan State for a PhD, ended up at the University of Illinois as an assistant professor for about four years and a position to open up back home at Michigan State. So been up here for the last 20 years. So basically kind of been back and forth between Champaign-Urbana and East Lansing. Did you grow up on a farming operation then? Sure. I actually grew up on kind of more of a smaller part-time farm. So at the time that I was growing up, it was mostly uh, corn, soybeans, and wheat. Since that time, the operation's grown and my brother's and his sons are doing a lot of the work and they've picked up some ground and dry beans and some sugar beets. And do you participate in farming at all anymore? Mine is mostly just giving the recommendations and then uh, whenever they need me to do something, I'm usually happy to volunteer. Just out of curiosity, Dr. Sprague, what made you decide to go into the field of agronomy? Yeah, so starting out, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I went to uh, college. My dad had been in the ag industry for a long time and was a driving marketer. So he said, hey, let's go down to Michigan State, talk to a few different people. And one of the things that was very interesting is they basically, as an undergraduate set coming in, they set us up with um, employment if we wanted it. And I ended up working in a weed science lab and just kind of got interested in it and just kind of grew from there. Dr. Sprague, let's go ahead and talk about managing weed escapes at Harvest and Beyond. And the first question I have for you is when we say the word weed escape, what exactly does that terminology mean? So basically, we're talking about weeds that somehow make it through the season after we've done our weed control tactics. And sometimes it's weeds that come up later after those herbicides have been applied. So if they don't have any residual activity, those might be those late emerging ones. And then also if we have some failures with some of our implementation of our different herbicides or whatever we're doing, those weeds that are left at the end of the season are those escapes. Given the fact that most of the major farming areas in the United States have been in drought here in the last few months, Dr. Sprague, has weed escapes been a big issue? Yeah, I think um, this year, as you drive across, I actually just made a trip down to Indiana last week and throughout Michigan, some parts of Indiana noticed that there are some fields that are fairly dirty, (laughs) a lot of weeds that have kind of made it through this season. There can be a lot of reasons why that happens. And I think Some of the drier weather in some instances definitely didn't help the incorporation of those pre-emergence herbicides that a lot of farmers use. So maybe they weren't getting as good of control early in the season. And then also with some of the dry weather that was taking place around the time of post-emergence herbicides, sometimes that can shut down those weeds and maybe they're not being controlled as well with some of those post-applications. 
I know up here in Michigan, um, at least the part of Michigan that I'm in, basically starting the very end of June, we've been getting rain almost every week. So it's gotten really wet. And I think that's also triggered a lot of new weed emergence that typically we wouldn't see. So with that dry weather early, a lot of our crops did not canopy over because they just weren't growing very rapidly. And so it gave it a lot more area to have those weeds encounter both moisture and also some of that sunlight that they might need to emerge. What about lack of residual herbicide activation or possible resistance? Is that a problem? One of the things that we did face because of that dry weather, um, those residual herbicides weren't really incorporated down to where those seeds were. Also, a lot of times when it was really dry, we didn't have a lot of weed emergence either. So anytime that Those weeds started to grow. They just weren't taking up that herbicide initially. So we had a lot of weeds that came up, maybe weren't affected by those pre-emergence herbicides. And then when we applied the post-herbicide, we could have varying sizes. So some of those ones that we would have expected to control early with those pre-herbicides might have been larger than some of the other ones that might have came up a little bit later. So the dry weather definitely can affect it. Another thing I know here in Michigan, we have been probably a little bit further behind with the seeing water hemp spread through the state. And I know this year we're seeing a lot more of the uh, glyphosate multiple resistant water hemp show up in many fields that we haven't seen in the past. If a grower does suspect resistance, what steps should they take to confirm that resistance? Yeah, so that's a great question. So There are some universities that have diagnostic clinics that will do some testing. Here at Michigan State, we do have a plant and pest diagnostic clinic, and we have uh, actually a weed diagnostician. So growers can send in samples. If you're a Michigan grower, we have, through our Michigan Soybean Committee, they have funded a lot of this resistance testing. So growers can send in seed heads, and then our diagnostician, Dr. Aaron Hill, We'll grow those up and spray them at a couple different rates and see what they're actually resistant to. So she does a lot of testing. So over the years, we've seen kind of an increase in water hemp samples, as well as seeing some of the different resistance profiles. So most of the water hemp that we do get into the diagnostic clinic is resistant to glyphosate. So many of those Roundup products, in many cases, there's what we would call multiple resistance because they're also resistant to a lot of the ALS inhibitors. And we're starting to see some more resistance to things like the PPO inhibitors, which would be things like Flexstar or Cobra that might be used in some of our non-GMO soybeans. Dr. Sprague, what impact do these weed escapes have on the weed seed bank then? Yeah, so one of the challenges we do have with any of these weed escapes, they're probably producing seed and that seed is going to contribute to future years. And Depending on what the weed is, is really going to be dependent on how much seed is produced, how long that seed will last in that weed seed bank, and whether that seed can travel to other areas. So um, here in Michigan, I would say probably our top two weed or troublesome weeds are mare's tail or horseweed, and that has a wind-blown seed. So that's kind of like the dandelion seed where it can travel in the wind. And because of the glyphosate and ALS resistance that we see with that species, one of the issues that we have is any of those plants that produce seed, they can produce, think up around 200,000 seeds. 
those seeds can fly to different places. So they can travel and become a problem for growers in the next county, next fields, so forth. So that's that's always a concern. With something like the pigweed species like water hemp, in some cases they can produce 250 to 500,000 seeds per female plant. And so you can just imagine if you were producing that much seed and it's being dropped into that field, it's going to be a problem very dense populations. And if you have one or two escapes, it can really contribute to that seed bank for the future and can be a big issue as you move forward. Dr. Sprague, is more weed seed produced in drier conditions? I wouldn't say that more weed seed is produced. I think a lot of it depends on how well that plant is adapted. So for example, we do have some populations of Palmer amaranth, which is another pigweed species that can also be resistant to glyphosate and many other herbicides. And that is kind of more of a uh, newer weed to the northern part of the U.S. And in fact, in Michigan, we hadn't really seen any of it until about 2010. And that was kind of the first report that we had that we believe it was brought in from down south. That weed particularly likes hot, dry weather. So in years where we have hot, dry weather, I think it probably thrives a lot more and can produce more seed. Things like water hemp, a lot of times seem to enjoy a little bit more rainfall to produce more seed. So this year when we were dry early in Michigan and then have become wet since basically July, I think we've probably got a lot of seed production of that particular species. How can harvest of these weedy fields be managed to minimize the spread of weed seeds either within a field or even spreading to other fields? Yeah, that's a great question because as you go out there and you look at your fields, if you see just kind of a general area where there's kind of more of a confined area, sometimes it's best to kind of harvest around that and maybe do that last. So you're not particularly spreading it across the field or spreading it to your other fields. So it might be one of those things where you can manage by trying to harvest around a particular spot. In some cases, we've seen some fields where you can look out there and you might see one or two weeds or, you know, a small pocket. It might be a good idea to try to get out there, especially if it's some of the weeds like water hemp or palmer amaranth that we know that there's a lot of widespread resistance to get those out of the field so they're not dropping their seed in that field. So one way to do that is to harvest around it. Those smaller areas maybe pull that One thing that people have done, if they've noticed these areas early enough before the seed is mature, they may go out there and they may mow some of those areas and not try to harvest that area just to kind of keep it more confined, particularly as we're starting to see that newer species out there. In other cases, let's say you have a field that's pretty widely infested, you might want to think about harvesting that field last so you're not taking the weed seed in your combine from that field to the next one that you harvest, particularly if that one is doesn't have that species in there. So that's one way to kind of manage when you're going to harvest your fields, the order. Dr. Sprague, would you suggest that a producer actually visually walk the field, take a look and see what the threshold is for weed seeds before they start actually doing any harvest? Yeah, I think it's always good to kind of look and see how well your weed management uh, program did. So Right now, as things are starting to mature, it's a lot more easy to see some of the weed escapes. A lot of times they'll be above that. What was the soybean canopy? But now you can see that you're, for example, with soybeans, you'll see those dry down quite well. and You have a better feel for what weeds did not get controlled. 
We also have a lot of weed escapes that may not be due to resistance. So some cases in some of the fields that we have, common lambs quarters was a big issue and it just wasn't controlled very well. I think a lot of it with common lambs quarters, when it gets dry, it has a thicker cuticle on the leaf. So a lot of the herbicides just aren't able to be absorbed as effectively. So in some cases we have those escapes. That is a weed that is very common throughout most of our state. So that may be one that a grower decides, hey, you know, it's probably not worth thinking about that order. Just some of those newer weed problems that have resistance issues associated with them, that might be one of those things that they want to think about. And Dr. Sprague, should growers experiencing these weedy fields consider taking the time to clean out their combines in between fields? That would be great. One of the problems is, is it's very difficult to completely clean out a combine from some of those smaller <laughs> smaller seeded weeds. So with the pigweed species, like the water humps, the palmer amaranths, basically the seed size is about the size of the end of a ballpoint pen. So it's very difficult to make sure you get all those weed seeds out. There are some pretty good publications out there about how to best clean out those combines as far as where to look for some of those weed seeds. It does take quite a bit of time, but if it is something that you have to go through a field earlier that have some of these weeds, it is best to, if you can take the time to go through there and try to get as much of that weed seed out. Sometimes it's good to maybe try to go through areas that if you can keep it within the field, some of the cleaner areas to try to keep the seed in that particular field versus taking it to the next field. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What should be considered in these fields next season to mitigate the weed pressure from these additions to the soil seed bank? So I think one of the things to really think about is know what weeds did escape, know what weeds are commonly in that field, and then come up with a really good plan for how you're going to manage those. And that plan could include the use of herbicides or other cultural practices, such as planting a cover crop, depending on what the weed species is, it could include tillage. It could include using higher seeding populations or narrow rows to help mitigate some of those those issues. So it's always good to know what weeds you're trying to tackle. Many times our weed control programs are going to focus on having a soil applied or pre-emergence herbicide down to help start reduce some of those weed seed populations. And I think this year it's going to be extremely important to emphasize that that's still a very important part of a program because I know a lot of people didn't feel like they had as good of control because of the dry weather this year. But what we did see is that those pre-emergence herbicides did reduce the population that we were trying to manage post-emergence. And in some cases, those residual herbicides helped with keeping newer weeds from emerging after those post-emergence herbicides. So they kind of lasted a little bit longer, even though it didn't look like it was going to help too much. I think it did help overall for the whole entire weed control program. But again, knowing what weeds you're trying to manage and then coming up with a good program for that. 
Several universities are looking at alternative and supplemental wheat strategies to go along with chemical control, such as harvest seed destructors, cover crops, variable plant populations, and et cetera. So Dr. Sprague, what are your thoughts on these in terms of providing supplemental control along with the herbicide populations? Yeah, so there's been a lot of work looking at some of these different tactics. One of the things that we've done a lot of work on is with cereal rye cover crop and trying to really help manage glyphosate-resistant horseweed. Some growers will call it mare's tail. And we've had very good luck in helping suppress some of those populations early in the season with that. So in addition to some of our herbicide strategies, that cereal rye acts as a mat and helps suppress some of the emergence of that mare's tail or horseweed. And that has worked really well. One of the things that we've been messing around with is planting green, which would be basically planting the crop into a standing rye cover crop and then terminating that cover crop a week or two after those soybeans have been planted. That has worked well, particularly for helping to suppress a lot of our early season weeds, particularly mare's tail. But one of the challenges is in a drier year like this, we did see some issues as we postponed some of those termination strategies. So a lot of it is really going to be dependent on making sure what kind of a season you have. If it looks like it's going to be more on the dry side early, it might be better to terminate those cereal rye cover crops earlier. There's also been a lot of work looking at some of the um, harvest weed seed destroyers and some of the different ways to, at harvest, try to manage the weed population by destruction of the weed seeds before they get back into the soil. We're not doing any of that work at Michigan State. There are a lot of different universities that are trying some different methods, such as uh, chaff lining or some of these impact mills that would take the seeds into the combine and then basically pulverize them. I had the opportunity in in December of 2018 to travel to Australia and see some of those methods. And they work great for some of the cropping systems that they have in Australia, like some of the small grains, canola, some of those different types of things. I know it's been a little bit more of a challenge with things like corn and soybeans, but we have very good researchers around the U.S. that are looking at how to best implement these into kind of more of the Midwest and Southern cropping systems. How will the dry weather over the summer impact cover crops and the following crop, especially when we think about one of the key benefits to cereal rye being weed management? We had a very good cover crop stand this year, and I think a lot of it had to do with a milder early winter. And then also as things started to warm up, those cover crops grew, particularly the cereal rye. One of the things, the challenges was with the dry weather and that cereal rye taking away some of that moisture from, for example, soybeans, if it was planted into it, kind of those planting green type of uh, situations. I think looking at some of what we saw early, we were able to suppress some of those weeds with termination a little bit earlier. So again, it really is going to depend. I think what we're seeing with some of our delayed terminations this year with planting green, we're probably going to see an impact on yield this year. So that's, and also delaying some of the maturity of some of that crop. But again, that cover crop does help for weed suppression and terminating it definitely closer to that planting time works well. Dr. Sprague, with a dry weather, should growers be concerned about potential carryover issues for next season? 
Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things that we always run into when the weather is dry is a lot of those herbicides are not able to break down like they should. So most herbicides that we have or all herbicides will have a rotation restriction listed on their label. And depending on what your next crop is, some of them might be more sensitive than others. So it's always important to check out the rotation restrictions. Under dry conditions, a lot of times those rotation, we tend to see more challenges with carryover. So for example, up here in Michigan, a couple of our more sensitive crops are things like sugar beets and dry beans, more sensitive to some of our herbicides. So under dry conditions, a lot of times you want to make sure that you're following that crop rotation restriction. And then also keep in mind that moisture can affect how well that breaks down. And in many cases, there are instances where it says it needs to have 15 inches of rain plus some such a time before you actually plant some of those rotational crops that might be more sensitive. So it's something to keep an eye out for this year where we're at because we were so dry and then we turned kind of more wet. It'll be interesting to see if that later wet, more wet weather helped break down those herbicides quicker. I think we could potentially see some issues with some carryover at some of the longer lasting herbicides that we might use. So it's just one of those things that there are certain ones that tend to last a little bit longer and then where certain crops might be more sensitive. So it's always important to keep that in mind. Once a field has been harvested, what are your suggestions then for preparing it or what do we need to do to that field before the next time we plant it? Yeah, that's a great question. So depending on some of the weed species, some growers will want to put a fall herbicide application out there. For example, if you have a no-till field where dandelions are a huge problem, dandelion is a perennial, it is managed very well with fall herbicide applications because basically those herbicides will then be translocated down to the root as the food sources that the plant needs gets translocated as it gets cooler. So that's one way to help manage some of our perennial weeds like dandelion and some of the other perennials. We have horseweed or mare's tail that comes up pretty much throughout the season in Michigan. If we can manage some of those populations that come up in the later summer, fall, then we don't have as much variability in size when we're trying to control them in the spring. So that's one other way that we can do that. Other growers will want to plant a cover crop to help suppress things like mare's tail. So those are some things to think about. And a lot of the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of options out there. And a lot of it is whether you can manage doing some of that weed control in the fall, as well as trying to get your harvest. So we'll see how that goes. It looks like we got some wet weather coming up pretty soon. So we might be delayed a little bit. Is there anything else that growers should be considering for weed management? Probably the one thing to consider is just kind of keeping an eye out for what weeds were escaped your control this year. Make note of that. Make sure you have a plan for next year. Again, this is a great time to clean up some of those perennial weed problems, maybe manage some of the uh, winter annuals, things like mare's tail, so forth. As we're looking at harvest, there has been more talk about the use of harvest aids, herbicides that would go on before the crop is harvested. In many cases, um, depending on what the crop is, that's a very common tool in things like dry beans that helps dry up the weeds or control the weeds, as well as help even out the drying of those dry beans. So that's often used a lot. There's been more talk of using those in soybeans. So 
We'll see what happens with that. We're doing some testing on that. That's potentially one other option that growers might want to do as far as helping clean up some of those weed species. And it's not necessarily helping as far as the weed seed. It is basically to help manage to be able to get the combine through so the green tissue isn't causing as much problems with the combines. Thank you to my guest here today, Michigan State University Weed Extension Specialist, Dr. Christy Sprague. This successful Farming Weeds Playbook podcast has been brought to you by Anthem and Authority brand herbicides from FMC. Visit ag.fmc.com. And for more agricultural news and information, be sure to log on to agriculture.com. I'm Lori Boyer for Successful Farming.